Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. The treatment of elderly patients hospitalized with community-acquired pneumonia, or CAP, is a major component of healthcare spending in the United States and an important public health issue. Dr. Forrest Arnold and Dr. Michael Egger are here to speak with us today about their study, Cost-Effectiveness of Adherence to IDSA, ATS Guidelines, in Elderly Patients Hospitalized for Community-Acquired Pneumonia. Dr. Arnold is an associate professor in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky. Dr. Egger is an assistant professor in the Division of Surgical Oncology, also at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's dive into your study. Can you tell us more about how this came about? Well, I can start with the impetus for this study was really a group of researchers with whom I work were interested in looking at a clinical problem and applying cost-effectiveness research. And we can talk a little bit more about cost-effectiveness research, I think, later on. But this particular study came about in the fact that we had this database available to us. And this has been a database that's been run out of the University of Louisville. And Dr. Arnold can maybe tell us a little bit more about the database itself. The database is from the Community Acquired Pneumonia Organization, which receives data about patients with pneumonia from all over the world, but we started it here in this division. So the headquarters is the University of Louisville and this division of infectious diseases. And so it is made up of people who are all over the world with community-acquired pneumonia. It's a study that is retrospective, and it's not continuous data. It's basically a lot of researchers who want to know information and who enroll patients as they have time. So, of course, the best studies collect continuous patients over time, but that takes a lot of resources. And this study is mostly volunteer in the sense that it's researchers not getting funded and providing information. But the benefit is that we still get a lot of people because it's in about 50 countries worldwide and 130 institutions worldwide. And there's Europe is involved, Africa, South America, and a few sites in Asia. And that's probably the, the least place. But you know, the three major continents offer a lot of information. So we've been doing it for years and accumulated a lot of people. So that's another benefit is it's ongoing and gets a lot of patients with pneumonia. It helps that community-acquired pneumonia is a common infection. So we're not waiting on some rare disease to pop up and we're able to get a lot of information. Well, that's a good segue into my next question. Pneumonia is a leading cause of death in the United States and community acquired pneumonia or CAP is a leading cause of hospitalizations. Why is cost effectiveness of adherence to these guidelines important to study? Well, I can say that there are thousands upon thousands, we'll say 100,000 admissions a year for community-acquired pneumonia. So if you save a dollar in everybody's admission, all of a sudden you've saved, you know, $100,000. Actually, and the figure is more like a million admissions, excuse me, for community-acquired pneumonia. So if you save a dollar in everybody's admission, you've saved a million dollars. So imagine if you could make something cost effective and cut the cost by 10%, you're really going to make a lot of headway into an illness. In a year in the United States, there's $10 billion a year spent on pneumonia, community-acquired pneumonia, and hospitalized patients. So it's a huge chunk. 
for the healthcare industry. And if we could save money there, then, you know, of course there's savings that people don't have to spend and perhaps a money for other illnesses. And I think the, the question of cost effectiveness more broadly, I think is important as we, as we understand that and healthcare is healthcare is subject to all the rules of economics, like everything else, and that it is an unlimited want in the face of scarce resources. And while, you know, I'm interested in issues of quality and you know, guideline concordance and how we sort of disseminate quality care throughout different health systems. And while Dr. Arnold's group has shown in previous work that adherence to these guidelines is associated with improved mortality, the next logical step for guidelines like this, and then these guys, you know, this sort of analysis can be applied to other situations as well is, okay, so we sort of know what based on recommended evidence we think is best from a uh, healthcare outcome standpoint. Now we sort of have to apply sort of the, the rules of economics to this and to understand, um, you know, the costs associated with guideline and adherence. And what we hope to find really is that adherence to guidelines um, are not only good from a quality health outcome standpoint, but perhaps they're less costly too. And that's sort of a win-win situation for both the healthcare system and for patients and providers. I know, Dr. Arnold, you touched on this briefly, but if we could dig a little bit deeper, what methods were used in your study and what patient characteristics played a role in your results? So the patient characteristics were the elderly population, and most of pneumonia occurs in the elderly population. So as you get older, the incidence of community-acquired pneumonia also increases. Um, the methods were actually a brainchild of Dr. Egger, so I'm going to let him answer that. So for cost-effectiveness studies, you, you have to kind of do two things. You have to measure the cost and you measure the effectiveness. And so we estimate a cost in this study, and you try to, you try to kind of build, build these big baskets of, of cost items. You know, we, it's not like we have, I wouldn't want anybody to think that for these thousands of patients, we had a line item of the cost associated with each one of their care. We do not have that. What we're doing is simply estimating that based on sort of a bundle or basket of goods. And so one of the first things we did was we took the antibiotic bundles that, that they were being treated with, categorizing them into adherent over and under treated. And um, we basically assigned dollar values to each of those those sort of bundles of, of antibiotics, understanding that that was going to vary with adherence to guidelines, whether they were adherent or over or under treated. And then you sort of have to estimate room and board, basically. You have to estimate hospital costs. And those um, vary widely across healthcare systems. And they certainly vary widely as far as whether you're in the ICU setting or the ward setting. And we used uh, published estimates of those costs associated with both an ICU and award stay. And, and what's uh, a strength of the study is we used studies that evaluated this. We didn't simply average it on a, or over the course of a hospitalization. We actually looked at the day-to-day -day costs and estimated those over a range at which those would vary. And you do so in order to sort of give yourself not only an estimate of the cost, but also an estimate of the variability of those costs. So you can kind of get an idea of how accurate your estimates are. Once you do the cost, then you have to think about the effectiveness, right? And that's something called healthcare utility. And that was estimated in this study by a panel of experts. And health utility can be measured on a situation scale of zero to one, one being perfect health and zero being death. And so what we try to do is estimate what um, a person's quality of life, if you will, or health status would be if they were hospitalized in, in the ICU with community-acquired pneumonia versus hospitalized on the ward with community-acquired pneumonia or resting at home and healthy. And so once you develop those two 
parameters, then you can apply the measures of both cost and effectiveness, and you can apply this to this cohort of patients. One of the other things we did from a methodologic standpoint, you'll see in the methods, it's called a Markov model, which is what medical decision scientists and other decision scientists use to sort of model a patient's transitions or walks through a clinical scenario. So for instance, we basically modeled a patient's 14-day stay in a hospital. Um, we modeled this for these patients who were hospitalized with community-acquired pneumonia. And if you think about it, we just you basically take uh, what percentage of patients were sick in the ICU or, or sick on the ward, and we define that basically as being on IV antibiotics. We then define what a term called clinical stability. is That's when they're transitioned to oral antibiotics, when they're presumably getting better, and then if they were discharged from the hospital. And you follow a cohort of patients through this 14-day hospital stay and calculate the relative percentages um, in which those patients exist in each of those states. And because those states are either in the ICU with either IV or oral antibiotics or on the floor with oral antibiotics, each of those states are associated with a different cost level. So we've evaluated, we estimated our cost. We apply that to a patient on whichever antibiotic regimen they're on in whatever setting they're on. And you just follow these thousands of patients through this sort of 14 day cycle. And then you basically just add up all the costs, add up all the utilities across that hospital stay. And then that's when we sort of evaluate our outcomes. So my involvement in that as a clinician was we categorized patients as adherent or over under treatment, as he said. And so those were based on the IDSA guidelines and those guidelines list certain antibiotics to be appropriate. There's one set of antibiotics if you're on the ward, a similar set on the ICU, and uh, there's some exceptions if you have risk factors for certain pathogens. And so we based and categorized everybody's treatment, and, and that took some one line at a time, manually going through and, and looking at everybody's regimen. But we did it and categorized the people into those three categories, adherent, over-treatment, under-treatment, and went from there. And what were the results of your study, and did any of these findings surprise you? Well, the two main results, we, we had two, sort of two different results, actually, in this study. So the for most patients, most patients were what we could call ward patients. So of about 1,600 patients, 1,400 patients of them were admitted to the ward. So that was the, the, the most patients in the study. We found that adherence to the uh, IDSA, ATS guidelines was associated, was, was cost-effective, which, and what that means is not only was it cheaper, but it was actually more effective in that more patients reached a higher health utility state than if you were over or under-treated. And essentially on the average of a about $1,000 in lower costs for treatment adherence versus over or under-treated. So we feel good about that. That's kind of makes sense. So the guidelines, not only do we know that there's sort of expert opinion as far as how to treat patients and treat them well, um, it, we found that that was actually a cost-effective. It was actually more economical to treat them as such. What was interesting is, and for the ICU patients, we actually found that the over-treated group was associated with fewer costs. So that, that group according to the calculus that we provided in this manuscript, were, were the, was the more cost-effective groups compared to adherence or under-adherence. And so whenever you have a surprising result, you sort of have to look at it and see why that was the case. And what was interesting is for the over-treatment group, they got out of the ICU faster, or that group had a shorter ICU length of stay. If you sort of add up the bill, if you will, of a patient's hospitalization, basically kind of the room and board in the ICU is the, is the dominant cost drivers, right? So really, when you look at these antibiotics, the regimens themselves, the cost differences between them are not all that great. So an, an, over, an over treatment regimen or an adherent regimen, in the grand scheme of things, that those antibiotic costs in and of themselves are not what 
drives the cost differences. What is likely happening, why we're seeing differences, or perhaps why we're seeing differences, it actually changes the hospitalization. And so you get out of the hospital sooner, um, for the ward patients at least, when you're on an adherent regimen. And so knocking off an extra night in the hotel, right, that is what's going to really save us money. For the ICU cohort, we found that those that were overtreated um, had a shorter ICU length of stay. And that by far is what was the cost driver. And that's why we saw the difference. What was also surprising, because it um, wasn't consistent with that, was that those patients who were overtreated, even in this study, had a slightly higher mortality. So yes, more of them got out of the ICU sooner but also a slightly higher proportion died. Um, in the previous study that I've looked at with the similar database, we found improved outcomes, as Dr. Egger said, and that was improved mortality with adherence and link, shorter length of stay and a shorter time to clinical stability. So that's why it's so interesting to try to team it up with the cost of taking care of patients in the hospital with community acquired pneumonia. It does make sense that you would spend less, the better care somebody gets, but then, um, and that works out for the ward patients, as he mentioned, but then you get into the ICU and things don't quite line up. In that instance, it may do well to get individual patients charges for a certain hospitalization to tease things out. And we had to look at that globally instead of having that degree of data to look at for this paper. If you could sum it up, how will these results impact clinical practice going forward? I think think it gives us encouragement. It gives us reason to trust the guidelines, right? Trust trust that um, what we're doing, what what is built is evidence-based as far as what we know is is good from a clinical standpoint for patients delivering high-quality care. Um, It also shows that this can be a cost-effective approach to treating patients as well. And so I think it gives clinicians some encouragement that not only what they're doing is the right thing from a quality standpoint, but it's also a cost-effective measure. I think this kind of research is, is important and interesting is because clinicians need to consider the cost of care. And sometimes we get a little uncomfortable. I mean, I'm a practicing clinician too. I'm a surgical oncologist. And, you know, we, we, we get uncomfortable when we start talking about, you know, willingness to pay and how much we're willing to pay for a a life saved. And, and, and those are hard, those are hard questions, right? Those are, those make us uncomfortable sometimes, but I think as um, clinicians, we need to engage with health economics and um, medical decision-making researchers so that we can understand what each other, you know, what each other's professions are trying to do, how we can build this research and move the science forward. Um, because ultimately content experts can develop guidelines, but if they're not cost-effective, if they're not pragmatic in the healthcare system overall, we will lose their overall effectiveness. I think it also shows that there's a significant portion of patients who are cared for where the treatment is not adherent to guidelines. And that's a little bit of a red flag of a place that we can improve upon things. And then also if the, when you do adhere to the guidelines, if it's going to cost more, that tells us as clinicians, hey, where can we look at to save some money, but maintain the good outcomes, or at least moderately good outcomes that we have. Um, Of course, you're always going to have people that don't do well, but if you know how to improve outcomes, then the next step is to say, hey, what can we do to do this more cost-effectively? And the overall take-home messages from your study, what would you say those are? Stick with the guidelines. Yeah, stick with the guidelines and pay attention to what it costs to take care of patients.
You know, we know that CAT scans are better for than chest x-rays to look at pneumonia. So why don't we just give everybody a CAT scan? And it's because it's 10 times more expensive. So that's where we have to learn in our management who gets a CAT scan and who gets a chest x-ray. And then there's a thousand things like that to look at in individual patients. So pay attention to the guidelines and then keep your eye open to see where you can save money at the same time. Is there anything else that you all would like to add today? Did we miss anything? There are new 2019 guidelines that updated the ones that we used with this manuscript. And they're very similar to the 2007, but they are updated. And those are the latest guidelines from the Infectious Diseases Society of America, 2019. There were a couple of differences and they actually have a table in those guidelines that say things uh, like procalcitonin is a blood test, for example, that uh, people try to use to determine whether or not somebody should get antibiotics in the ER for a possible infection. And they say uh, actually not to use that because you may withhold antibiotics from somebody who actually has pneumonia. And so they don't want you doing that. And then um, they have different recommendations for inpatients and outpatients. If you're an inpatient, we need to go ahead and get cultures and blood cultures. There's no cost-effective information in those guidelines, though. Well, again, thank you both for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having us. It It was a pleasure.